Life on the front line of healthcare is busy. It's fast-paced and full of opportunity to put your skills to the test and make a meaningful impact to patients. But all of those expectations, the hustle and the stress and the pressure, it can lead to burnout. And when our carers need the most amount of caring, we've got a problem that needs to be solved. With me today is Dr. Jo Bray. She's an active member in our THT Plus community and a doctor of 20 years and a professional coach, and she's transforming the burnout recovery journey for healthcare individuals. In this episode, we talk about whether you should quit or change jobs to overcome burnout. What actually causes burnout? Is it your work environment, your job, or something else? And what are some actionable strategies to recover from burnout? Collaboration starts with a conversation, Team Health Tech. Let's make it happen. This is Talking Health Tech with me, Peter Birch, featuring content and community about technology in healthcare. Between now and the end of June, we're conducting the 2024 Talking Health Tech audience survey. This helps us prioritize content, hone in key messages, and refine the show to make it even better. We also want to understand who the biggest cohorts of our audience are. So I'd love for you to take five or 10 minutes to have your say and complete the survey. Everyone who completes it goes in the draw to win a share of $1,000 worth of THT Plus membership credits to put towards a membership for yourself as an individual or to help get the word out about your company. The link to complete the survey is in the show notes of this episode or just go to talkinghealthtech.com survey. Hey Joe, how are you going? Great, thanks Peter. How are you today? Good. It's good to have you on the podcast. It's been a couple of months since we've last spoken, actually. We were having regular catch-ups in Sydney during OSEP Cohort 1 back in the that day. It's been It feels it, like a distant memory now. It does, sadly, yeah. That was like every Thursday, every four weeks at the Microsoft offices with an amazing view over North Sydney. Wasn't it good? <laughs> yeah. But you've got a similar view where you are on a day-to-day, is that right? Hey, I'm in Orange. I am near Hill Street, so it is probably one of the <laughs> highest points in town. We look out towards Mount Canopolis, which is pretty high over there in the distance, but no, nothing like, I don't know, 20, floor 28, 29. Yeah, you don't have a 20, a 30-story skyscraper in Orange, no. no. But for those that don't know you, <laughs> for those that don't know you, Joe, it'd be great if you could give a bit more context and introduce yourself, please. Thank you, Pete. Yeah, so my name's Dr. Joe Braid. I am a rehabilitation physician based here in Orange, and I work in the traumatic brain injury team in Bathurst. And I am also a professional coach, and I transform the burnout recovery journeys of healthcare professionals. So I've niched into working with healthcare professionals. I live in Orange with my husband and my three sons, and my favorite spot is tennis. Oh, there you go. Excellent. So the <laughs> point around burnout amongst clinicians, we've touched on that quite a bit on this podcast and this ongoing point around technology in particular, potentially either being a help or a hindrance around burnout, but just generally, why are you focusing on burnout amongst clinicians? Yeah, great question. I'm not going to answer the tech bit around now. I have listened to your one about how different platforms can either sync well or just be annoying to get across. Why have I focused on burnout recovery? Well, I've got my own journey of having a lived experience in burnout myself, which is not that uncommon with data from 2021, showing that at least 63% of physicians have at least one feature of burnout. 
it was actually in 2021, I was running my own private practice, which I'd had going for about four years and just couldn't seem to switch off from it. Felt pretty exhausted by it and all the things to do with running it and maintaining it wasn't as productive in my clinical practice as I had once been before. And it was actually when I had to fly over to the UK, look after my mum, who was having some cancer treatment, that I then had that compulsory two weeks in hotel quarantine. Mm -hmm. And I had a time to really reflect and review on what was going on. I was also having some coaching at the time. And although the coaching wasn't originally around career stuff, it sort of ended up coming full circle around to that. And um, I gave myself permission to stop that clinic that I had been running. So it was sort of like I've had my burnout experience. I had coaching, which was really the tool that got me through the recovery and sustained staying well myself. And I had a slow exit out of that clinic and closed that down at the end of 2021. So it works. I've got a bunch of tools that work and clients get relief within about four weeks from like the rock bottom that you can certainly have in a burnout journey. Wow. Well, well, thank you for sharing that, you know, your own personal experiences. And and if you, if you don't mind, if I, if I was to then follow up just on that, at that point, you close down the clinic, you make that call. What was that like at the time? Cause you know, setting up anything, building something up and doing that and the concept of closing something down, like a lot of people might think, oh, that was a failure then. And all these things yeah. go through your mind. It's, you must have had a lot of reflection then. Sure thing. Yeah, absolutely. Like if you think about how much we often feel responsible for our patients. So I had that quite a lot in that clinic while certainly at the beginning, these were people who had seen like 10 doctors before me. I was treating them with an integrative medicine approach. And so I was like, the 11th doctor, you are going to have the answer for me, aren't you, doctor? <laughs> and I took a lot of that responsibility on. Mm. So then to go, actually, this is not sustainable career for me to keep going this way. There was guilt there was relief later, but there was guilt certainly at the beginning. There was kind of looking for somebody else to give me the answer, but the answer was really actually going to come from within. There was certainly indecision for a while as well. It was hard to go, look, is this really going to work out right in the future? Yes, it's taken a while. A lot of business building, a lot of marketing and all of that to get this going as well. And I would say right now, two years on, no regrets, best decision that yeah. I made. And I still practice clinical medicine. So my brain injury clinic is in the public hospital. I still run that. I still am part of that. And now I've grown a coaching business, which I love. It's awesome. It's really good. I want to learn more about the coaching business soon, but just thinking more about that, that stage where it feels like you've sunk a lot of costs in terms of building up something. And I keep picturing that it got sent around a lot when in some of the larger organizations I worked, that, that infograph or the image of the the dude mining underneath the thing and he's working really hard and he's really close to a big pile of diamonds and he walks away and gives up. And so there was, you know, that yeah. the whole thing of like, well, you're working hard and it's really hard. We'll just keep working harder and it'll pay off because if you leave, then it doesn't happen. So it's easy to say, well, that's something we should do. By the way, I'm asking for a friend. I'm not actually asking for myself. <laughs> but in terms of, you know, how now that you're, you're helping other clinicians, are you finding other people have similar thoughts and are struggling with this? Yeah, it's a good question. I would say actually a lot of my clients are not looking to quit for whatever reason. 
Mm. I mean, it is manageable. There's still factors that they enjoy. And this is, a, I, I guess, going to be a bit of a theme of this chat that we have that quitting is not necessarily the answer. And I get that I did that version back then. And now I would not promote that quitting is the solution to get away from burnout. But my clients are sometimes clinicians who are running their own businesses. They just want to have less sort of time for money transactions in their businesses and get that business working better for them for that longer term. I've got other clients who are trying to not have loads of work left over at the end of the day. So their day wraps up a bit more on time and we don't have that overarching, you can't leave until every single note is done. How can we bring those efficiencies into play so that there's not a two hour of admin at the end of eight hours of clinical? And I don't get people that are looking to get out of the system. There are other coaches that coach on people who want to quit and then what. Mm. That's not actually the people that are coming in to work with me. And that's reassuring too in, in yeah. a healthcare system that <laughs> is so understressed. We don't want to have more yeah. leaving the system. To sure. come back to the point around burnout, I think a lot of people might have their own kind of interpretation of what burnout might be. But what is burnout and yeah. maybe what are the common causes of it? Yeah, it's certainly a word that's bandied around a lot. It really comes up when somebody is in a caregiving role. So it has been more defined around the workplace, but certainly through the pandemic, we could see that extra carrying the load of caring for others has been probably a bit more burnout since the pandemic as well. So the three main features and the two extra ones that I always talk about are the emotional exhaustion, like really feeling like flat and that's particularly around the workplace that is the most common symptom that people would have feeling cynical about your work so no longer got the jam with going into the workplace that you might have had before and then perceived decreased productivity so these are generally type a people really high achievers really high standards for themselves and they've just not got such a strong output as they did before that's what they're seeing and actually other team members might see that in them as well and the last two points I also talk about are cognitive dysfunction. So having like a bit of a brain fog and being quite distracted along the way, finding it harder to focus on tasks. And then the last one is insularity. So that's when you're sort of removing yourself from your social connections who have been probably a strong part of life before. So that can be in the workplace and you're just not as engaged with your team. You're maybe not speaking up as much as you used to. Or socially, you're just not catching up with people so much outside of work. You can see that in close relationships at home as well. And then the causes you've been asking about for burnout as well. Hmm. So I would say there are three main areas for this. So the workplace would be one. And this is not the only cause. Otherwise, everybody would be burnt out in the workplace. But the sort of what's your autonomy on your role? We know now that we have psychosocial risk factors in the workplace. So a bit like we have work health and safety practices. Mm. Now as of April, they brought into play the psychosocial risk factors in the workplace. And that's like little or no autonomy over your role. What else? Too much work to do for the time that you're actually in there. What else? There, there's quite a few work-related things that will all make sense as you think about what yeah. so many clinicians are facing, like just too many patients to see for the time that you actually do have in the workplace. We've got those personality traits that people might have, that perfectionist. I also talk about people pleasing as well. Don't worry about me. I'll keep going so that the job gets done or I'll, I won't look after my own health so that the health of others is pushed forwards. Yeah. Sure. 
And lifestyle can also be like insufficient sleep, many sort of stresses outside of work as well. People can have high levels of caring roles or things they've got to do outside of the workplace and that sort of perfectionist tendency and setting those very high standards for yourself. So you sort of have an endless horizon if you don't actually know when that task is going to be completed to a satisfactory standard because it could always be improved upon. Yes, it's never done. The Talking Health Tech podcast has evolved a lot over the years all based on audience feedback. Now I need your help, yes you, to shape the future of this show. Between now and the end of June, we're running our biggest campaign to date in order to understand what makes the global healthcare ecosystem tick. Last time we ran our Talking Health Tech audience survey, we learnt 40% of our audience are clinicians, 77% of our audience tune in for professional development and market awareness, 8% of people listen to Talking Health Tech for competitor profiling, and only 2% of people listen to the podcast to fall asleep. And this time around, I can't wait to find out about your preferences for audio versus video content, which topics we should dive into more, preferences for hosts and formats and geographical reach and so much more. And don't worry, we'll be sharing all the insights once all the responses are collected as well. So if you're a supporter of Talking Health Tech and you can spare five or 10 minutes, please complete our 2024 audience survey. And to say thanks for your input, everyone who completes the survey goes into the draw to win a share of $1,000 worth of credits towards THT Plus membership. Go to talkinghealthtech.com slash survey or the links in the show notes of this episode as well. Do you find it's a generational thing? Because I think about some of the very earlier stages of my career, some of those traits around pick up the slack so that no one else will worry about it or just demonstrate that you're capable of going above and beyond, all those things. of, And I imagine for a clinician to, not being a clinician myself, but all the ones that I've spoken to, they feel like that's how you get through medical school and all the early stages is you just need to get the stuff done. And then there are some groups and pockets of this new emerging trends and what's cool is not to put in 20 hours a day of work but instead look after your own health and well-being but that can be counted then with that's just people being lazy and sometimes that's pinned to different generations because that's how people have been brought up how have you found it um, yeah look I would say I've got clinicians at all different stages of their career I've had a client from the U.S. in her intern year so first year out Great time to get coaching on burnout prevention, probably more for her. But yeah, I've had people early on. We know that burnout can occur in medical school as well now because I guess they survey it, they look at it. I don't know that they necessarily looked at it when I was doing that, which was a little while ago. But I think the syllabus is a lot fuller as well. There's a lot more to learn for a medical student these days than before. Then we'll have other clinicians who are well and truly established as a specialist or a consultant and there's burnout occurring there as well people that have been running a successful clinic for 10 or 12 years and the passion has just completely gone. And they're like, you know what, I don't know if I can do this for another 15 years. Hmm. And we troubleshoot that. And they're like, you know what, I'm on a number of months later, I'm on, this is going well, and we're back in the saddle again. So I don't know that there is a specific age where it's more common or time since qualifying where it's more common certainly talked about a lot more than it ever used to be. Hey. Yeah. And that's something, a good thing that we're talking about it to start. Yeah. Uh, You touched on a few things on what it might look like in healthcare, but let's dive into it a little bit more about what burnout might look like in healthcare, both for like how, maybe a bit more about how it comes about, but also then more importantly, the outcomes of burnout in healthcare. 
Yeah, sure. Okay. So I guess the impact that it has in healthcare is patients can pick up on it. So if you're really dropping your empathy, and we find that's part of burnout presenting, is the care factor just isn't there so much anymore. And somebody has been going to a GP for 10 years and they just find they haven't got that rapport anymore that they used to have. They'll be like, geez, something going on here. You, mm. You're going okay. So then what's the flow on for the patient? So imagine it's maybe a newer clinical relationship they're having there. They might not actually end up doing what the doctor says because they felt like the doctor wasn't quite so engaged with their care. So then patients might not follow up and do what was recommended so well. We sort of see a bit of presenteeism. So you're turning up to work and just not as productive as you used to be. And that's got a big slow on effect in healthcare system, hey? Sure. And then I guess there's the attrition as well. People leaving, looking to do something else, taking leave, taking sick leave, because what are the strategies that we've got in healthcare to deal with somebody with burnout? I mean, we're working on them for sure, but they may see that like instead of their usual hours per week, there's not sort of a modified amount that for some people it can work out that they can have a modified role, but sometimes it's an all or nothing mentality. And so it's like you're either at work, working full time, or they just quit and they're like, yeah, I can't do this anymore. Yeah. Into that a little bit more then, because you mentioned too, it's not for you, not necessarily about, hey, the answer is to quit the work that mm. you're doing, because mm. it's probably a little bit more than just the work environment you mentioned. Tell me a little bit more about the work environment and the bigger picture. Yeah. So I think, you know, the kind of person that's attracted to healthcare is often very patient oriented and they're focused on the outcomes for their patients around them and they've got high standards and they like their work to be done to a really high standard. And they can be very guided by other people's opinions. So you're thinking of that end of term feedback or you're thinking about, hey, if I do that extra job, then my boss is going to like me or my senior is going to acknowledge me in some way. And you know what the acknowledgement might be after, after all that work that you've done? Yeah, it might be a grunt. So it's like, (laughs) so they are like busting a gut to try and get all these external factors as the feedback that things are going well, whereas really what's going on internally, are you aware that you're doing a good enough job, your patients are doing well, you're finishing work so that you can leave and do the things that fill your cup as well, because it's not necessarily turning up to work that is sort of the sole way of filling up your cup. So I think there's this mindset that can be so driven by value based on what you do and how you show up and how others perceive you. And a lot of the work that I do is recognizing the value that you have already and you don't have to do 10 clinical tasks or see 40 patients today to be a really valued team member Mm -hmm. in your department. And you mentioned earlier that you were speaking to one of your clients who was probably more like a, it was more preventative discussions Mm. and a preventative approach as opposed to someone who's breaking the glass and hitting the button saying, Joe, I'm done. So in terms of the types of the different stages that people are at that you speak to, where are people predominantly at? Where's the best time to engage someone such as yourself? Yeah, I think the best time is when you recognize you need help. And that could be at the rock bottom and something needs to change because other people can be at rock bottom and just like 
covering themselves with something so that they metaphorically don't want to change and they don't want to do anything differently. But if you're at that point that you want to change and you're ready to do something differently and instead of, I talk about fixed mindsets and gross mindsets a lot, if you're ready to embrace a different way of doing it, then that's a good time. But also like this other client who probably had elements of drifting towards burnout, but she could see that something was not looking really sustainable for her. She knew which training program she wanted to get on. So that was a big goal for her. We worked on that together. She was ready to try something differently. And I think that's what we do as coaches. We work around people who are either stuck and want to get unstuck or they want to have change, but maybe not necessarily do it totally solo. And they actually want to do it with somebody who can be a sounding board and bounce their thoughts back to them and ask them some questions so they can get that answer from within, which then becomes more sustainable for them as they go forward. So ready for change would be my short answer for that, Pete. I was going to pick on that particular point, actually being ready for change and that growth mindset versus Mm. the fixed mindset, because it's one thing to say, this is too hard, but if you're not willing to change something and take that personal accountability, I imagine that's where majority of it needs to come from. Yes. Yeah, that's it. I think that's where, you know, looking after yourself as a clinician or as a non-clinician, wherever you are, we have to be responsible for looking after ourselves so we can show up for our nearest and dearest, our families, our friends, our workplaces, because otherwise we're not really sustainable wherever we might be in the world or in the workplace. And I don't know when that's always drilled into us. Maybe you've got parents who've got examples of doing that, Or maybe, and more commonly, I find your parents are the complete opposite and they're the really work hard mentality and you have to work hard and that's the only way to do it. So bringing in that personal responsibility for self-care is another strand of the work that I do. And speaking of the work that you do, Joe, I've seen you've got this great online course as well because there's only one Joe to go around and there's some great learnings that you've pulled together. Tell me a bit more about this course. Yeah, look, this is actually the reason why I got into the OSSET program. So I could see that and see that bar cloning myself, which I, we didn't work out in OSSET either. I When we to... do, I'm ready, yeah. by the way. <laughs> Can I just say? Then I go Absolutely. on. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to create an online program that was sort of burnout recovery specific or burnout preventative that would be available for any healthcare provider in Australia. And come the end of OSSEP, I did create the program and it's called the Complete Burnout Recovery Program. It's an online course with five-minute bite-sized modules, which is basically like having a coach in your pocket. You go through a topic, so topics include like decision-making, procrastination, other people's opinions, worthiness, time management, some of the things I've talked about just now. And we have a blurb around that. There might be a supporting podcast and then about three to five coaching questions. And if you choose to spend five minutes, maybe 10, reviewing all of that, you'll get a lot more insights on how that relates to you and what you can do next around there. So that's what I packaged it up to be. And yeah, it's on my website called the Complete Burnout Recovery Program. Love it. Well, we'll put the details for that in the show notes of this episode for people to click through and check out. And we'll probably work out something, a good little offering for our THT plus members, as well as an extra little bonus. But Joe, I appreciate you coming and speaking about the topic that is front of mind, I'm sure for a lot of clinicians. And 
putting in perspective what some of these solutions could be and what that pathway might look like. Can't wait to keep that conversation going in the THD Plus community and look forward to continue seeing your journey as you grow. Thank you so much. Thank you, Pete. Great to be on the call. Cheers. Hey, thanks for sticking around to the end of this episode. If you made it this far, you're the perfect person that I want to hear from. Our THT Plus audience survey is now open until the end of June, and I personally read every submission. In fact, if you leave a comment in the survey that you heard this promotion in a podcast episode, I promise I'll reply directly to you by email with a personal note of thanks, and I'll even buy you a coffee next time I see you in person. It's pretty easy. Just go to talkinghealthtech.com slash survey and have your say. For more content and community about technology and healthcare, visit talkinghealthtech.com.